0: talk about life. Hello, hello. Welcome to Creatively Relating. I'm Viana Novis, and today's episode is The very first thing I recorded for this show, this was back in January, the end of January of 2021, I recorded this episode, and I had no idea what this show was going to be, honestly, when I sat down to record this. I had a different title, different name for the show, uh, different art, and was still figuring out what I wanted to present to the world. So I hope you enjoy this little seedling, though it's not that little, two hours long. Uh, and I, I also just sat down as I do on these solo episodes. I didn't have notes. I didn't have uh, something I was referencing. I just sat down and talked and told the stories that I had to tell about this topic of pain, pleasure, and suffering. And I have to tell you, in the two months since I recorded, not quite two months since I recorded this episode, there has been more unfolding, more understanding, deeper integration of this idea, and a more nuanced understanding of how it can come to be, and how the relationship to pain can... when it's... when that relationship is uh, l- led by curiosity, there is an opportunity, in my experience, to find some neutrality around the pain. And so a question I'm sitting with now As I continue to live into this idea of uh, welcoming my lessons through pleasure not pain or through pleasure not suffering is the refinement I would use on language now, I am understanding that there is a neutrality that I have the opportunity to cultivate. And so I'm wondering, what is pain? What is pain? When I say pain is an inherent condition of this reality, now the next layer of curiosity is, what is pain? As I, in these last two-ish months have been continuing to peel away layers and layers and layers of understanding on this idea in the constellation of these words as my skills have been expanding. I am understanding that pain is not what I thought it was. <laughs> and I, I don't have an answer for you yet. I'm sure I will circle back to this topic because I'm still living into it as somebody living with chronic illness and living with a lot of physical pain. My relationship to that word is changing every day as I sink deeper into the sensation, as I name it, as I experience it with less of a mental lens with a deeper sense of embodiment, with a deeper sense of curiosity, the things that I thought I knew, the things that I believed about pain are dissolving. So I want to lead this episode with that information and let you know that I am continuing to iterate on these ideas. There is more and more unfolding here and what you hear that's now a few months old is has shifted even since then there's more nuance there's more to say there's more to explore and uh, i have no doubts that in the future once i've lived into this a little bit more and have a bit more to say to you i will (laughs) we'll come back and i would love to hear what you have to say about this topic so please feel free to call in and let me know what you think. Share your thoughts, share your feedback, ask your questions. I'd love to hear your experience and your ideas and what this is stirring in you. You can call in anytime. Leave a message at one 2 relate one 2 relate To relate to me. <laughs> Ish. It won't be in real time, but we'll get a little bit more intimacy getting to hear voices in both directions. And if you need the numbers for that line, it's 1 833 273 5283. 1 273 5283. Do you think if you're a consistent listener, you might have that phone number mesmer- memorized? Mesmerized. <laughs> you might have it memorized at some point because you just hear me say it every show that would be fun (laughs) uh if you enjoy this show i hope you do if you enjoy it please support there are many ways to do so financially or for free financially you can come support the show on patreon because we are a listener supported show that means this content is in the world because you help bring it out into the world so if you want to keep hearing the show you can let me know on patreon patreon.com slash vianna novus there are lots of extra goodies that unfold in that space we meet for a live monthly gathering we meditate together i answer questions we have good chats beautiful beautiful community really so inspiring very uh expansive community that i've enjoyed getting the opportunity to get to know over these last couple of months and you can come join us along with that live gathering there are also creativity exercises behind the scenes views at all the projects i'm working on and uh, the full photo sets for the photo shoots i do with jess purple every month Lots of inspiration, lots of things to stoke your creativity and continue expanding how you relate to your own self in the world. Patreon is really a space that is about creating a reciprocal space of energy there you give to me i give to you we give to each other we fuel inspiration we invest in each other's ideas in these ways and hope to create a space where our seeds can grow healthy and strong in the world bringing more and more and more creativity out i find so much liberation and creativity and i hope that together we can use it as a vehicle for collective liberation if you don't have the funds to support on Patreon, you can still support the show for free. Leave a review, give a rating, subscribe, share on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at Viana.novis. All of those things can be done to support the show. So however you can, if you enjoy this content, please let me know with your actions in the world all right let's get into this episode i know there will be plenty more to explore in the future and i hope you enjoy this first seed welcome to the show for those of you who have been around on Instagram for a while, you've probably seen me talking about the show for a bit. And a lot of things have happened in the last few months that have kept me from being able to move forward on this project in the ways that I have wanted to. And I've just surrendered to the process of letting it unfold as it needed to and with that i'm actually finding a great deal of joy in what has unfolded there has been a massive shift in the structure of how i've approached making the show from where i started a few months ago and it's working in my best interest now there are a lot of factors that i was not fully aware of in my body and in my capacity not these last six weeks have really brought into focus for me and I'm gonna talk about that today a little bit about that specifically what I want to talk about today is pain and pleasure so about five months ago it's January now this was back in September five months six months it's almost February tomorrow's February six months ago um I spoke aloud a prayer Myself, and I said, From this moment forward, from this moment forward, I choose to learn my lessons through pleasure, not pain. And in that moment, I could feel all layers of myself, I could feel my entire self, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally aligned to this directive. And let me also clarify that this prayer is not about not feeling pain, because I think that's just a function of this reality. But it's a specific reminder to me. It's a choice I'm making, and it's an anchor to remind me of that choice that I'm making. It's not to say that pain isn't going to be something that's present in my life. But rather that I'm choosing, I'm consciously choosing to orient myself towards pleasure. And I'm choosing to do that especially in the moments when I'm feeling pain. That doesn't negate the pain, but what it does quite intelligently is offer a moment. A moment when I'm feeling pain, when I'm experiencing pain. It offers me this moment to shift my perspective because in that moment, I could either go towards suffering or towards pleasure. The pain doesn't change, but what I do with it changes, right? Where I orient myself changes. So... That has been this directive in these last five months or so incredibly impactful in my life. Really, really impactful. There's a lot of things I've learned about holding this prayer for myself. I, through many different angles, and I'm sure stories that will unfold here on the show over time, I've come to see. Some layers in this prayer. Different ways that this can manifest itself into my life. What does it mean to learn lessons through pleasure, not pain? I feel very curious about that. And again, it's not negating pain. It's making a conscious decision to orient myself towards pleasure, to anchor myself to ground myself, to embody that which makes me feel joyful, that which makes me feel alive, instead of allowing myself to spiral into the disorienting realm of suffering. So I want to share a few of the things I've learned about how this opportunity to learn lessons through pleasure instead of pain has manifested in my life. One of the first things that I integrated or rather acted on, one of the first things that I acted on immediately after speaking these words was uh, aligning my physical reality, my physical life towards this prayer. I'm not going to go into specific details about what that looked like because I'm not ready to tell that story and maybe never will, but I will tell you it was fucking hard. It was fucking hard. I couldn't eat for over a week after I made that initial action. Literally could not hold down anything except water. It was brutal. Fucking brutal. And then, in the space that came from shifting my environment, I suddenly had a lot of opportunity to sit with myself which was really uncomfortable. (laughs) As it is. (laughs) But again, with this directive to learn my lessons through pleasure, not pain, I had a choice to make about where I was going to place my attention. I could focus in this moment on the things I was afraid of. Or I could focus on the things that were bringing me joy. That doesn't mean that the fear didn't exist. That's not to say that the things I was feeling afraid of weren't valid or important because they were and they still are. But it's really about how much space I allowed that fear to occupy in my life. And I didn't want to give it all this space because that didn't feel good. It wasn't in my best interest to allow my fears to dictate my mood. Is that ever in our best interest? Feeling fear is important, of course. Understanding the root of what we're feeling afraid of, yes. Allowing those fears to manipulate the ways that we're experiencing life, not a choice I want to make. I got to put an effort to that, right? I have to put the effort in. I have to consciously choose to not allow the fear to dictate my mood. That isn't something that miraculously happens. It wasn't something that miraculously happened to me. It happened with great effort and it's continuing to happen with great effort. Every day, every moment of every day, I have to make the conscious choice and attend to the skill of presence to allow that choice to unfold, right? Shortly into this experience of orienting myself towards this prayer, I learned another way that this directive can come to be. So the first one here being choice. The first way that this prayer can come to life, to learn my lessons through pleasure, not pain, is through choice. The second way... The second way was realizing that I could learn my lessons by watching other people learn their lessons. Ah. (laughs) And okay, that might sound like, yeah, duh, of course. Yeah. But it was really quite impactful for me because in the past, yeah, I would watch people learn their lessons. But then here would come sit my ego at the table and have a whole lot of things to say about it instead of sitting back humbly and asking myself, well, fuck, how am I doing the same thing? Or where in me is that mechanism alive? Instead of doing that, my ego would come in and say, Ugh, well, I would do it differently, so I'm just going to brush this off. And I would. I would brush it off. So this incredible opportunity to not struggle so hard myself through Integrating humbly what I was witnessing in the people around me, or even in the people outside of me, because in today's world, we have all this access to people's stories and experiences and realities through so many different lenses. Instead of taking those opportunities to truly integrate and reflect on how I was using that same fuckery in my relationship with myself, I would brush it aside. So this last period of my life has really been a new opportunity. It's been a time I've been sitting with a new perspective. And Okay, there's a specific moment where I really learned this lesson, but I'm not I'm not going to tell that story. I'm I guess I'm just keeping these stories a little ambiguous on this first episode because they're both it's just too soon too soon for everyone involved but you know it's fine it doesn't matter we'll get the gems without the story (laughs) so there was this particular event that happened with an old friend and I learned a lot about how I want to arrange myself in my life and in my relationships by witnessing this unfolding by By watching the situation unfold, and there were a lot of layers to it, a lot of layers and rather than jumping on my uh okay, <laughs> it's really weird to say jumping on my high horse is there a better phrase for this? I don't know okay rather than getting all into my ego trip here, I sat back and reflected on what was happening. And where I was doing the same thing. And then also what I wanted. That was a really important part of the reflection here. One of the biggest gifts of having this perspective these last six months of my life has been to deep dive into exactly what I want. Exactly what I want. And I can tell you it's surprising to me. It's very different than what I thought I wanted. And I've never really given myself the true space to sit in the discomfort of recognizing that I want something quite different than what our culture has told me to want. There's there's a lot of ways that that's always been true for me and ways that I felt um, identified with that choice to want something different than what was being told to me as an ideal. But this was the most intimate place that's ever manifested, and it also oh, it's just tender. It's it's a tender one. I'm not ready to talk about it, but I'm sh- I know that I will. There will be a day when I will talk about. These tender layers of what I'm learning about what I want. And in the past, I have explored what I want in small doses. And I've oriented myself towards pleasure and beauty as a tool for growth, which also I will speak plenty more about in the future. But this was different. This was very different than those times and those moments. This relationship with pleasure that I've been cultivating these last six months has expanded far beyond the stories, the understanding that I previously had about pleasure. It's taken me out far beyond the edges and realms of beauty that I previously understood and i bring beauty in here specifically as a function of understanding what i want it's deeply connected this moment is bringing me a a multidimensional awareness of pleasure in my body in the most mundane moments in extremely complex moments in my relationship with myself in my relationship with others, in regards to my sensual experience of the world, in regards to my sexual expression, making a distinction between those things, sensuality and sexuality. Orienting myself towards pleasure right now, understanding how my relationship to pleasure is unique, It keeps turning me towards myself and asking how do I continue turning all parts of me towards pleasure, towards this goal. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? What does that look like for me? There's a lot of healing here. There's a lot of healing, there's a lot of humility, there's a lot of curiosity, there's a lot of questioning. So really removing myself from the collective for a moment to get a lens on my own life and understand how what I want is in many ways very different than what I thought I wanted and in many ways it's very similar. And there's this bridge here formed by beauty. Beauty is such an important component of this prayer for me. And and it's not beauty as this frivolous um, object, but rather a lens to view the world through. it's beauty as a an experience of trauma resolution which is why i want to talk about this in a future episode because it's a, it's really a deep one it's been a very deep one the the power of beauty and the prayer of beauty connects to this prayer of pleasure it's a bridge between this world that I'm finding myself in these days. And, and it has been a bridge for me between where I was and where I had been hoping to go, which I feel like I'm actually starting to reach right now. Beauty was uh, an ideal for me, not our collective ideal of beauty, but rather um a light on the horizon that I was moving myself towards. It was a reminder in all these moments to me, giving me feedback of that which brings me joy. And I would say beauty has been my first access point to really integrating pleasure into my life and and working with beauty as a tool of trauma resolution for me started to happen when I was... it was before I got pregnant. It was probably about four or five years ago that I really started to cultivate this relationship with beauty as a, as a lens and could understand the power that it held. And in this moment, I can see how orienting myself towards that aspect of reality has created this pathway for me to walk a bridge, a, um, a place where I could safely maneuver myself over obstacles in my life to reach this place where I am right now. And it's also very supportive. Pleasure and beauty. They speak to each other. They're in very similar realms, but they're also very different. Many different facets to each. Okay, I'm running off on a tangent here. The last thing I want to say about beauty is just beauty not as a function of capitalism, but actually bringing it into the context of healing and integration. And that's the piece for me that's been helping me arrive at this place, this moment in my life where I'm understanding how different the things are that I want and what I'm looking to cultivate and what actually brings me pleasure. These last six months have been expanding my understanding of pleasure and getting into a deeper relationship with all the many facets of it. Along with pleasure, there's been this deep exploration of shame and guilt and the systems of this culture, of course. From my perspective, there has to be. Right? It's all interconnected because pleasure has been a story that was already written for me, for all of us. And within the context of this culture, that story has a relationship outside of ourselves. Now, if I want to cultivate, if I want to create a relationship with pleasure on my own, something that actually speaks to my values, my ethics, my needs, my desires, I have to untangle and understand what has been spoken onto me. Right, I have to deconstruct all of the layers of things that are occupying the associations I have with pleasure and create space in my life to write something new. So these past six months... When I talk about my relationship with myself, which if you've been in the other realms of my world, Patreon, Instagram, on my mailing list, you'll see that this has been a topic lately. When I talk about my relationship with myself, reflecting on what that actually is and what I actually want for my life. I am coming to understand that this complex journey requires a slowness, slower than I ever thought I could possibly move, slower than I ever thought I would ever want to move. It's a quiet journey. It's intimate. It's what has fed into this show being so delayed. I'm using air quotes on that word. Because really it's coming in exactly the moment that I'm ready to be in a pleasurable relationship with it. lower than i ever thought i would enjoy moving <laughs> this prayer to learn my lessons through pleasure instead of pain it has allowed me to access a level of sensuality in the most mundane moments that i have craved throughout my life and sensuality to me Feels very similar to presence, actually. For me, sensuality is about living life through the senses. I often see this word paired with sexuality. And of course, there is a, a realm, uh, an overlap of those two realms. But for me, sensuality removed from sexuality actually exists and inhabits a space much closer to presence. And the reason why I like to use the word sensuality instead of presence is because it feels like that it has a lot more access points. Presence immediately drops in all these thoughts about various practices, right ways and wrong ways, which is just dogma we're creating, right? Like... And many people within those realms, working within the realms of mindfulness, are not operating from right and wrong. But I know, in my experience, when I first started my path down mindfulness, when I was, I mean, granted, I was 12, okay. But still, it's it's a common thing. We come to it with our ideas of right and wrong because that's the culture that we're conditioned within. And sensuality to me, it doesn't hold that same uh, binary. It feels taboo, right? Because it's culturally connected to sexuality. So it has this taboo energy to it. Um, but it also feels a little bit more liberated. And that's just my experience. So you can throw that right in the trash if that doesn't work for you. <laughs> but sensuality to me is about living life through the senses. Taste, touch, smell, sight, sound. I have to be present and in my body to experience sensuality. I I don't know how sensuality could exist without presence. Maybe that's the connection I'm speaking to here. And I could speak to the fact that I was craving this desire to live a sensual life far prior than this moment, than this season of my life. Like, Probably around the time that I started to anchor into this vision of beauty, I really started to look at my relationship to sensuality. Those things really went hand in hand for me. But this moment to to actually access sensuality from within the feeling in my body, not the thought of how good something could feel but to fully inhabit my body in a way that allowed me to feel the pleasure of the sensations of the sensual experience in real time that was a bridge I hadn't yet built and I can see now the reason why was because I was moving too fast That's a very common function of trauma, right? The slowing down for me has been the most impactful part of this prayer. It's allowed me to create intimacy with myself in in as many ways as I can cultivate intimacy with my mind, with my body with my vision, with my behavior, past behavior, present behavior, the choices I want to make about my future behavior. Intimacy with the multidimensional reality of my being. And in the, in the creating intimacy with my mind, there's been an understanding of the way my mind functions, which has been liberating. In this past season of my life, I've actually learned the ways in which my brain is neurodivergent. That's fucking life-changing. I have actually been getting into the understanding of the ways that my brain has been developmentally impacted by the trauma that I lived through in my early life. I knew for many years that trauma affected the development of the nervous system and the brain. But to actually bring it into my body, to slow down enough to see what functions were alive within me, that's new. It's been a very impactful time for creating intimacy with myself. That's intimacy with my mind, that intimacy with my body. (sighs) I mean, let's just start with the most pleasurable point of that, right? (laughs) And many of you, I know many of you have been asking, and I will do a whole episode on masturbation, and I will bring in my very best friend, Morgan King, my queer dad, my best friend, Morgan is a pro-dom and in service to erotic liberation on this planet and um, their presence in my life has been very liberating and has allowed me to access a new layer of intimacy with my body. And all of these things are working hand in hand. None of them are operating on their own. My, My friendship with morgan is one of the things in conjunction with the trauma resolution work I'm doing with all of the people on my health team there are many right now along with all of the daily practices I'm doing and the things I'm the content I'm choosing to take in or not take in all of these things are functioning together to allow me into my body but masturbation has been one of the things that has been so impactful for understanding the way pleasure functions in my life, and specifically to understand the way pleasure and shame functions in my life. Because, I mean, I view sex, whether it's sex with the self or sex with a partner or sex with many partners, sex is an opportunity for so many things I see it as a a playground for adults. Like we get to go here and we get to have fun and we get to be silly and we get to be, we get to feel really good and expressive and we get to move our bodies if we have access to that. It's also spiritual. We get to access deep realms of prayer and magic and multidimensional connections if we want to. And it's also this incredible place where we get the opportunity to unearth our relationship to power dynamics, understand our ability to or fear of communicating. Hmm. (laughs) It's such a big one, that one. It's such a big one. And it also has such a brilliant opportunity to show us how communication can function with pleasure because communication is a two-way street right communication is both what we say and also what we hear and also how we move communication is happening in many realms and and when we're focusing on learning communication through the act of our sexual expression, we have the chance to learn how to communicate better with pleasure. I would much rather learn the lesson of communication while I'm having some kinky play rather than having a really hard conversation about something that harmed me that's not to say the thing that harmed me isn't there but if I could be having more opportunities to learn that lesson doing something pleasurable I would like to choose that one (laughs) right and even if that's by yourself which for me that has been my focus these last few months is really cultivating intimacy with my own self understanding what I want on my own, removed from what I've been told to want and accessing the parts of me that are afraid to speak up, that are too traumatized to speak up or that just don't even know what the word is to say. That's been a huge piece of understanding in this time. So just to bring this all back around, The act of being in relationship with my sense of pleasure through masturbation has been a way to cultivate great intimacy with my body. Not just sexual intimacy, intimacy with my trauma, intimacy with my behavioral patterns, intimacy with my communication patterns, intimacy with my mind watching my ideation and where it's going what it's doing as one of my very favorite people in my life right now a coach that I'm working with James Olivia who will be on the show soon um, James Olivia likes to say what are you up to (laughs) love that question what are you up to what am I up to I can see that shit when I'm in exploration with pleasure in the realms of sensuality and erotic uh, expression. It has allowed me to be in my body more because it's helping me rewrite these patterns of trauma that tell me my body isn't a safe place to be. It's helping me unwind the patterns of dissociation And allowing me to truly inhabit my body more than I ever have before in my life. And I can tell you that process, though it is fun when I'm in the space of erotic pleasure, it is also fucking brutal and goddamn relentless. (laughs) Because. And I mean, I'm sure we all have our intersections of this, but for me, the way this is manifested is that the more I inhabit my body, the more pain I'm aware of, the more physical pain I'm aware of. As a person who lives with a chronic illness, being in my body is really, really hard. It is a lot of work. And it's been hard throughout my life because of the trauma I've lived through. Yes, that's certainly where this original pattern of dissociation started. But now, as I work through more and more layers of that trauma through all these various mediums, through my sexual expression, through the work with my incredible trauma therapist and my amazing coach, and through many other mediums, of course, meditation, movement, my relationship to food, those are some things I'd love to talk about in this episode if I get to them. Also, my relationship with with uh, mushrooms and ochre, all of these things are helping me process through the trauma I've lived through. And in most moments, because of those tools, I'm able to catch that pattern of dissociation. I can catch it. I can ground myself. (sighs) But now staying is difficult. Even if I'm catching myself in all these moments back to back to back, it's actually keeping myself in my body is so hard because I am in immense physical pain all the time right now i am in head to toe pain my hands hurt so much i can barely bend my fingers i cannot feel any part of my leg below my knees and this staying with this pain cultivating this intimacy with myself with my body with my mind this has allowed me to access a deeper layer to integrate a deeper layer of this prayer. How can I learn my lessons? How can I live my lessons through pleasure, not pain? What does that mean when every moment of the day I am experiencing physical pain? It's not something I can avoid. Trust me, I've tried. (laughs) It doesn't work. This intimacy has allowed me to access a deeper layer of integration. And this is where the prayer starts to create a loop. Mm -hmm. So I made the choice to orient myself towards learning my lessons through pleasure instead of pain. And that directive has invited me to create intimacy with myself in all these different realms. And as I access the intimacy within the relationship with myself, I'm brought right back to pain because it's in my body. And because I'm choosing to orient myself towards pleasure, not pain, I'm making the conscious choice to be in that intimate relationship with myself. The more intimately I am in my body, the more intimately I inhabit my body, the more acutely aware I am of the reality of what my body is experiencing. And then the more honest I'm invited to be with myself about that. As I'm more honest with myself and accept and speak into the reality of what I'm experiencing, of the pain that I'm experiencing, I come back full circle to this prayer with curiosity. How do I learn this lesson with pleasure instead of pain? This question, this prayer, this curiosity has opened a lens widened my perspective, softened my gaze in very interesting ways. I spent the last month or so, six or so weeks, in very high levels of pain. And at the end of 2020, towards the end of December, I started to have some seeds of possibilities about what might be going on in my body. For the first time in three years, for the first time since I almost died after giving birth, I had some possibilities of what might be going on. And those possibilities, just even having some options, it gave me the ability to start making different decisions about what I was doing. It gave me some parameters to work within. It gave me these choices I didn't previously have. I didn't know that I had. And all of those options have forced me to do two things. To slow down and to listen. So I've been looking very curiously at my relationship to my body with a new lens in the past okay let's talk about like these threads of movement and and food here because it's been such an integral part so in the past i would i would uh work out i was always a part of my life i've been really active throughout my whole life and it's always been a place where i would find great joy so that was there it's always been there since I was a young child, a toddler. And I've also been very involved with food from I think, my early teen years, preteen years, um, however old you are when you're a freshman. And it was at that time that I started to get really into the idea of slow food and eating locally, regenerative agriculture, food access, and And I was starting to understand the environmental impact that my food had. So food and movement were tools that have been in my life for many years. But this moment, this season of my life, has brought me into a new understanding of the way that these tools fit into my relationship with myself and my body. And how pleasure can function through these tools in unexpected ways, which fosters a deeper intimacy. It's been very cool (laughs) and very unexpected. This pain that I've been in In a lot of ways, stripped away my access to things. In order to try to address the pain that I was in, I had to eat very, very differently—a very limited diet. Uh, And movement—it's been this essential component of helping me shift the relationship I have to pain. And also, it's something I have not had a lot of capacity for. Oh, the paradox of this reality. Just constantly butting my head up against paradox here. Both things are true at the same time. I have to move because it changes the pain levels I'm feeling. And also, I don't really have the capacity to move. Those two things are coexisting, and it's just been a battle between them. Finding some delicate balance between... What the minimum amount of movement I can do every day that will ensure I'm supporting my system without overextending it, it's very new for me. I mean, really, it's new in my awareness because it's been in my reality for a long time, but I wasn't paying attention to it. That's really what's changed, is my, uh, the honesty I have with myself, which has come forth from the intimacy I'm creating with myself. So in this time not having access to movement to use it in the same expressive way I've always known, to not have access to this language of my body, I had to shift my understanding of what pleasure and movement were because I could fall into the realm of feeling victimized by the illness I'm experiencing. I could do that. That's a choice I could make. But who does that serve? It doesn't serve me. You know. And, 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 and as somebody who has lived through a lifetime of trauma, I will tell you very clearly, victimhood is an identity I choose to not align myself with because it is not in my best interest. And there are some moments in which that language is valuable to communicate externally, but in my internal reality, it has no function other than to keep me in a place of suffering. So if I'm choosing to move myself into the realms of pleasure, I must also look at my relationship to being a victim to my identification with that word. Because it doesn't change the experience, right? The pain is still the pain, but I get to choose suffering or pleasure. And so in regards to the movement of my body, I could sit back and I could say, this experience of chronic illness has taken a great joy from my life. I'm a victim to that. Or... could be curious and you know this isn't even the first time that something has happened in my body that has uh, forced me to re-examine and shift my relationship to movement so when I was younger I was a competitive dancer when I was younger and when I was 12 um, I fractured my back and this was a year I had been in talks with my mother and with a few choreographers um, at that time, and um, they were recommending that I go to New York and start auditioning for professional jobs. And so that was something, my mother was a single mother working very hard to make ends meet, and, and we were trying to figure out if that was financially possible, how could we make that work? And that was the year I fractured my back. So um, it didn't matter because it wasn't an option anymore. And that moment was heartbreaking for me. Absolutely devastating. Dance was my identity. It was, it was the thing that I knew myself through. It was a place where I resolved so much of the trauma of my early childhood. And in, it, in many ways, I think, uh, saved me from going down a much darker path a lot sooner in my life. And it was right around that time, in fact, when I lost my relationship to dance that I found my relationship with drugs. It's another story for an, another episode, but another beautiful thing that came from that experience. And I say my, rela- my relationship to drugs was a beautiful thing because it brought me a really deep learning uh, about life and choice not things that I could see at the time, but things I can see upon reflection. So another beautiful thing that this experience brought to me was that it brought meditation into my life, and it brought yoga into my life. It brought holistic movement into my life. It asked me to reexamine my relationship with that which I thought was who I was and discover a different way of experiencing this thing that brought me joy, this thing that I identified with. Moving my body was a way that I identified who I am. And it required me to experience a great deal of pain. And it brought me into deep questions about who I was and how I was how I was going to function, how I was going to do basic things, you know, at that point when I was in recovery from that, I couldn't sit for too long, I couldn't stand for too long, walking was excruciating, I avoided it as much as possible, laying down hurt, like there the only position that felt accessible was being in a pool, but I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and so there are about three months of the year where you can realistically get your body into a pool because the people that I knew had outdoor pools and we didn't have access to an indoor pool. That experience brought me into a deep questioning about capacity and identity. And I'm right back there again. Not quite 20 years later right back there again. But now, of course, I have a much more expansive grasp on language and my consciousness and healing and the many intersecting layers of experience that feed into perspective and mindset. And so now in this moment, I can sit back. And in that time, I really did feel victimized by my body. I, f- I was so angry at my body. I was in so much pain and and I was furious about it. I was so resentful of what my body was putting me through. And I couldn't see at that time what was unfolding. I had no sense of it because I was 12. <laughs> and I was just wanting to go ride my bike with my friends, you know. But I couldn't, I couldn't then see how it was bringing all these other resources and tools into my life. It's only upon reflection that I could do that. It brought me mindfulness practices. It brought me holistic movement practices. It brought me visual art practices. In that time, I started illustrating and painting. Those were things I always loved, but now I really didn't have um, m- many other options. Um, so that was something I could do. Relatively well, in terms of pain-wise, you know, the pain levels I was feeling. And I also learned how to sew. That was a little later in my recovery. Um, and then I started making my own clothes and I found all these new realms to express myself. So, all through junior high, I would make these really wild outfits and um, it was this, it became this new identity marker for me. Uh, I, and I couldn't see then all the things that my life was opening up to. In, in this collapse of identity, it, I couldn't see what was unfolding before me. And I feel now on the other side of that experience immense gratitude because if my life had gone down that road of, of moving towards professional dance, I likely would have met that same moment of reckoning much later in my life with a lot more responsibility resting on my shoulders because a dance career, you know, just it doesn't last very long. So I feel so grateful I have this opportunity to find new pathways of identifying myself in this world, of experiencing pleasure, and of creating my life. And now, because I had that experience, I can be in this experience, in this moment with my body, and and I have a little bit greater perspective on what might be unfolding that is far out beyond my vision. And so rather than feeling like a victim to the fact that my body cannot move in the ways that I would love for it to move, I have the opportunity to choose to orient myself towards pleasure instead of suffering. I can see that choice and I am choosing it. This intimacy with my body has brought me into this portal through time (laughs) to collect the wisdom of my child self and bring it into this moment to collect the wisdom of my body that is alive in this moment and to just hear it Because it's already here. It's already right here. It's just about creating the space to listen. And all of this has happened because of my choice to be curious. My choice to be curious. Allowing myself to be stripped down to remove a lot of access that I thought I would have at this moment in my life and meet that with curiosity. And it's been a similar journey with food for me in this time as well. My relationship to food through my life has been quite complex but even in the moments when i struggled deeply against food and i've had eating disorders and and have in my early right right around the time actually when i fractured my back all of these things kind of came together in this divine sequence of um death and birth and destruction and creation uh i i couldn't dance anymore I was questioning who I was, I was in high levels of pain every day, I was learning new tools, painting, meditation, holistic movement. I also, because I fractured my back, had uh, access to opiates, which was fucking glorious at that time. I loved it. Fell right into it. No problem. No struggle against falling right into that hole. Mm. Gracefully tumbled down that dark, dark abyss. And then food. That was also the time when I was dealing with eating disorders and and other types of self-mutilation. But in that struggle with food, My relationship as an adult changed greatly. And and that's something I will also speak to was was what that journey was like for me out of a relationship where food was about control and into a relationship where food was about connection. Uh, That journey was very um, impactful in my life. And I can say as an adult now, it feels worlds away from my reality to think about the relationship that I used to have with food and it and it came to me through access to the land having the opportunity to have a garden learning about slow food regenerative agriculture food access putting food into this context of the system that we live in into the uh it, it really weaving it into the planet that we live on that we function as a part of completely changed my relationship to it that's something i would love to speak about but even in those moments, and this is a funny thing to say, even in those moments when I really struggled with my relationship with food, I also found great, great pleasure in it. I've always found great pleasure in food. And that's very cultural for me too. It's, it's, it's an ancestral love language I've inherited. It's a way we pray. It's a way we care for each other. It's a way we connect to each other and to the land and to our heritage. And I find great pleasure in this inheritance, in cooking food and sharing food and touching food and smelling food and growing food. It's always brought me great pleasure and joy and in many ways also ancestral healing, considering my mother and my grandmother and, and potentially much further back than that, their experiences of living in poverty with hunger as a central theme. You know, for for mo- most of my adult life, like once I really worked through these um, aspects of control that I was up against in my teen years, once I worked through that in my adult life, I have, held my access to food with great regard and gratitude because of my ancestors' experiences and because of the way that their stories live on through me. Their experiences are a constant reminder for me to slow down, to take time to savor and allow in the pleasure of food that I have access to and to feel gratitude for every bite, I have the opportunity to eat. And with every meal, I send those blessings back to my ancestors. It's always in my mind. Every time I open my fridge, every time I open my pantry, every time I clean a dish, it's always on my mind. And in those moments, I use pleasure as a form of liberation for them. A lot more I could say about that. I don't want to run off on a tangent because we're already an hour into this episode. (laughs) Okay, so being here in this moment, stripping back what I have access to to try to address the pain that I've been in. And, And here I'm using access now for a descriptor of my internal experience rather than my external. I had the opportunity to get really curious about what pleasure looked like? What is pleasure in this new landscape where I can't use food in this expressive way? What did pleasure look like when my relationship to food had to shift from it being a medium of creative expression to now a function, uh now as a tool? You know, both that works for both for pleasure or for for food and movement. What did pleasure look like when my relationship to to food and movement had to shift from from this place where I could express myself to now it's simply functioning as a tool of wellness? Which is still extremely important, but significantly different. Because an expression... To me, there's, there's a freedom, there's a liberation, there's a wildness. And in something functioning as a tool, there's a very specific purpose. There are parameters. There are boundaries. Now, what does pleasure look like when I strip all of this access back internally? I started to understand this new perspective on pleasure through this very reduced lens that I had. Pleasure here in this realm was about simplicity. It was about finding stability, creating stability in my life through simplicity and reducing the noise that contributed to the pain I was in while creating a solid platform under my feet. That sense of stability brought me a great deal of pleasure. But it was unlike pleasure I had experienced in the past. Again, it was this shift from pleasure as this wild, vivacious, creative explosion of a force to pleasure being a quiet, firm, Boundaried, stable presence. Oof. I'm kind of just having that moment of articulation and reckoning right now <laughs> where I'm putting words to the experience for the first time. And, ooh, wow. Mmm. I just want to, like, I just want to take a moment with that one. Mm. Yeah, because I think from the outside, it would look very restrictive and maybe even boring. At least I could say that for myself, for the perspective that I have previously had in my life. I would have looked at this from the outside and thought, well, that is fucking boring. And boring isn't a word I I like to use, but I'm just going to use it here as a, you know, as a placeholder of uh, something we can all easily grab onto but the reality is from the inside there's so much happening. You know it feels it feels almost like a desert. You know you you look out at the desert. At least when I look out at the desert I see you know just the dryness and and the harshness of that environment. It just feels like there's it's a landscape of death from afar. But then when I get up close I can see the life in every little crack. I can see how the plants and the animals are finding their way and thriving through their resourcefulness, even in a landscape with limited access. With limited access to that, which is most essential, right? Like water. (laughs) My relationship with pleasure has become so different from anything I had a touchpoint for. Over these last six months, but especially these last six weeks. And it keeps bringing me back to the question, what do I want for my life? What do I want for my life? In that question, with such a reduced ability and with reduced access, I'm seeing now more clearly than ever that the answer is really about where I place my attention and the skills that I attend to, the skills in my mind and in my body, because that's where I create my life. That's what makes up my reality. It's where I focus my attention. And. Gosh, if we look at any school of thought that incorporates any aspect of mindfulness, we hear the same lesson, of course. Right? This is nothing new. This isn't new. But the integration of it into the body. And how, how do we, how do we do that in today's world within these different conditions that we have? Like we're we're experiencing a lot of unprecedented things in our realities right now in terms of the access to technology and not really understanding how that's shifting and changing our biology. and There's layers here. Where I focus my attention is what creates my experience of life. That's not new information. (laughs) But it's really for me that old lesson that ancient lesson is new again and it's it's alive with new language it's a different layer it's a different uh thread of understanding weaving itself through the fabric of my life it's like suddenly The wiring has completed in my house and the lights were turned on. Like, oh, shit. Whoa, this is what it's like. Oh, my gosh. Okay, like I saw all of this stuff, but now it's all been connected and now I can really see what's going on here. And in that focusing of my attention, it's also about what I choose to do with the energy I have, constantly coming back to choice. Now, I ask myself, what do I want for my life? What do I want to do with my life? What do I want my life to feel like? If I answered these questions six months ago, eight months ago, I would have told you a bunch of things about when I'm better. I would have told you a lot of things about what I want to do when I'm feeling better, when I'm feeling stronger, when I'm able to work more consistently, all that. But this prayer to learn my lessons through pleasure, not pain, has brought me to my knees in realizing that this day may not come this moment, what I feel in my body in this moment, this may be as good as my body ever feels again. And then what? And I don't hold attachment to that. I'm not holding attachment into any potential reality here. It's, it's really about it's about living my life sensually, which is inherently connected to presence. It's about feeling my life from the inside. So I don't know, maybe my body will feel different next week. Maybe it will feel different next month. Maybe it will feel like this and will get worse. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter though, right? Because I'm choosing, I'm making a conscious choice about my relationship to my experience. So it doesn't matter what is happening with my physical body not in terms of the way that I orient myself internally. It matters for various external reasons, yes, but not for what's happening inside my mind. That is a choice that only I have the ability to respond to. That is solely my responsibility. And because this prayer has brought me into my body in a way that I was not prior, because it's brought me into Intimacy with myself in a way that I was not prior, I can see how much choice I have. And I can see how much I was missing in the relationship with myself and how that connects to everything else in my life. This prayer has brought me deep into my body. And in that journey, I am very humbly meeting my actual capacity. I am very humbly understanding what I am actually capable of. And I don't use that word with shame or with guilt about the ways that my capacity does or does not meet up to what is expected of me within the society I mean those moments are there for sure but more than shame it's grief there's grief certainly but then I choose to also bring in curiosity I'm not ignoring that grief that grief is important and trust me it is here I have cried more in the last six months of my life than I ever have in my entire life. I have cried so hard I vomited. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> and it has been beautiful and liberating. Tears have been coming for my life, for years and years and years of my life. But so much further back, I've cried tears for the unexpressed grief of my ancestors. Thousands of years old. I can feel it in my bones. It's liberating to tend to that grief. But I don't want to get lost in that grief. So I'm meeting the grief, meeting the experience of the grief with curiosity. That's my buoy. That's my life raft. That's the ground I anchor myself into. That's what makes me immovable is my curiosity. And that curiosity is also where I find great pleasure and very impactful options, expansive choices, not answers, not answers. Meeting life with curiosity does not give me answers. It reveals options and reminds me of my choice which reminds me of my autonomy, of my sovereignty, of my will, of my power. How curious can I be about my reality? How curious can I be? How proactive can I be about creating my reality? Within the context of what I have access to right now. Not creating my reality as some ideal in the future, but rather with the access I have in my body, with the access I have in my reality outside of my body. How proactive can I be about my creating my reality right now? How curious can I be? That curiosity feeds itself into the creation. It opens the options. It realigns me, reorients me towards choice. These are the places I find myself returning to when I think about pleasure and pain. This is the language I find myself returning to that's helping me navigate this moment of reckoning and understanding what it means to be a person, a parent, a creative, an entrepreneur, a friend, a partner, a a being who is experiencing chronic illness? How do I hold all of my desires and needs, all of my ethics and vision? How do I hold all of that if this is what my body needs to do? If this, this very reduced, very minimal life is what I actually have access to? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, we come right back to this point. In order to keep returning to this prayer of pleasure over pain, what I need to do is slow down and listen. Slow down and listen. That slowing down has made it possible for me to see the puzzle pieces of my desires and my needs and my ethics and my vision. It's given me the opportunity to step back from the puzzle I've been working on, to look at it, to organize it in some kind of way because I'm not rushing off to complete it. I have the opportunity to actually look at it and and kind of understand the landscape I'm building rather than just trying to complete it without any point of reference, which is such a waste of energy. It really feels like if I was trying to do a thousand piece puzzle and somebody just told me, okay, you're making a puzzle of a forest. And then I tried to put this puzzle together with only that information. that's kind of what my life has felt like. But also there was a timer on. (laughs) A very loud, obnoxious timer. (laughs) No reference point, not much guidance, a lot of pressure, for what? I mean, what would happen when that timer went off? Likely nothing. But the internalized feeling of speed. And also a lot of energy wasted trying to decipher the subtlety between these puzzle pieces because I had no reference point to what the fuck was going on. And, and I'm proud of the job I've done in my life so far. I'm really proud of what I've created up to this point. But I've wasted so much energy. So much energy. And as I understand the capacity of my body more, I understand how precious that energy really is. And I do not want to keep making that same choice to waste my energy, trying to beat a clock that has no significance in my life, now I understand if I slow down, it's like taking a step back from having my head down in these puzzle pieces and realizing, hey, here's the lid to the puzzle. It's been under the table the whole time. All the answers are within us. It's been right here all along. Now I have some sense of this reality I'm creating. I have a sense of it. And also, because I'm moving slow, I can start to separate my pieces a little bit. I'm not just rushing to click them all together. I have space to notice. Oh, hey. Here are all the pieces with edges. And when I start with creating some parameters around this experience, let me create the container for this reality before I try to fill it in. Damn, I am loving this puzzle metaphor. (laughs) It's just coming in right now and I'm really fucking loving it. (laughs) I love when when a metaphor kind of uh, percolates in my brain and then as it continues unfolding, I'm like, oh, ooh, oh, that layer fits so well right there. Yes, let me create some parameters around my understanding of life. It's so important. That's what this moment has been for me. This moment of slowing down has allowed me to both get the perspective I need to understand the landscape of my reality and also. Give me the time to get things organized so that as I move into the phase of creating my life, there's some kind of system here. It's not pure chaos. And the opportunity to get perspective on this has really shifted how capable I feel at putting the puzzle together which is amazing when I'm talking about experiencing life through a limited capacity. In fact, I have never felt more capable in my life because I'm not just rushing in a pile of chaotic, unorganized mess trying to create something that makes sense. Now, I understand when I feel disorganized, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel disoriented, the only thing I need to do is slow down and listen. It's like hearing those words feels like rest in my bones. I've never felt more capable in my life (laughs) while also... Never feeling less capable. The paradox again, we are here. <laughs> so what is this puzzle? You know, in this metaphor, what is this puzzle? I mean, first and foremost, I, it's my relationship to myself, for sure. But of course, we have to then put that relationship into context with where that relationship lives. You know, it feeds into my interpersonal relationships, which feeds into our culture. It creates my inner reality. It contributes to our external shared reality in this moment, as well as the future that we're collectively creating, right? That's a big fucking puzzle. And understanding how my individual self fits into that larger puzzle having the opportunity to sit with it, with what is mine, to understand where I may eventually fit into the collective story, and to feel capable. I mean, it just gives me feelings to say those words. All of that has allowed me the opportunity to downregulate myself. And okay, I'm just, I'm going to make a sweeping statement, which I I really try not to do, but I'm going to make a sweeping statement. And you know what? It's not even that radical. It it feels pretty fucking obvious. You know, I think our culture as a whole does not want us downregulated. That doesn't serve the systems of power that are currently at play, right? Because what happens when we're downregulated? We start to heal. We start to expand our reserves. We start to question the structure we're operating with. Right? So our down regulation means that we're likely going to spend less money in the places that support these systems that we can now see harm us. We are likely going to speak louder because we know what we want and we know what we need. And we're likely going to start poking at the things that don't work for us in advocating and participating in making change that actually is supportive to us. Instead of just shutting up and spending the money as we're told to and craving and wanting and yearning for these things that we're told are going to bring us joy and happiness and, and following along with the way it's always been done. No, downregulating. Downregulating regulating ourselves it gives us the opportunity to actually address our trauma, both the individual traumas that we've experienced and the collective traumas that we have in the past experienced and that we are currently experiencing. And that's layered and it's layered depending on your intersections of privilege and marginalization But regardless, across the board, down-regulating ourselves allows us the opportunity to rewire our bodies. We can start to understand here that pleasure is not something that money will buy us without thought and consideration. I'm contemplating right now if I want to pick up this thread of money. It just fell out of my mouth, so let's go there. Okay, so... Money. I add this last bit. I added that last bit there. Thought and consideration. Because I do believe money can buy us happiness. With thought and consideration. Right? We it has to be paired with an unpacking of the Stories that are shaping our unconscious impulses, right? But yes, I do believe with thought and consideration, money can buy us happiness. Because no matter our ideals, no matter what reality we're advocating for, we currently live within the system of capitalism. And that is precisely how it functions, right? But along with happiness, it can also bring forth connection and care and collective liberation through the redistribution of wealth, right? All of those things are true from my perspective. Throw that right in the trash if you don't agree with it. I don't believe money is the evil here. Money is just money, right? Our collective relationship to it is what harms and hurts us. The divide in access is what harms and hurts us. But but that's not an inherent function of money, right? We collectively give money its meaning. And I don't mean you just, you can have however much money you want if you just change your mind about it. No, 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 no. that's not what I'm saying. Because our individual experiences live and operate within the collective so it is our collective responsibility to address this toxic relationship that we have with money and where does that process start well okay so the reality is it starts where collective change has always started on the backs of those who are most marginalized within the system can you hear the hit of rage in my voice now But it is 2021. My dad voice is coming out. We have far too much access to information and far too much opportunity to understand our privilege to continue placing the burden of change on the shoulders of those who are most harmed by this system. (sighs) I mean, clearly I have things I want to say about money. Clearly, but I'm just going to refocus right now because I could take us off on a whole tangent and we are already an hour and a half into this episode. So let's just put a pin in that. Refocus, take a breath. We'll come back to this topic in in another episode. Okay, so let me just let me just trace myself back. Where was I before that tangent on money? Down regulation. Sometimes I might not be able to pick up after those tangents, depending on (laughs) how much pain I'm in. But today, okay, I got it. Down-regulation. All right. Down-regulating ourselves gives us the opportunity to integrate a slowness that allows for insight. Births a quiet where our inherent wisdom has space to be heard. It slows the spiraling ideation of not enough, not being enough, not doing enough, not having enough. And it grounds it into the reality of this natural world that we're living within and also living as a part of and in my experience when I place myself when I root myself into the rhythms of the natural world pleasure becomes undeniable this last month more than any other moment in my life, has shown me how inherent pleasure is in this world. If we open our eyes to it, it doesn't negate our pain. It's a choice to widen our gaze to see it, to open our bodies to feel it, to quiet our minds to hear it. Pleasure is a choice. Even when we're in pain, the choice is ours to make. For me, this lesson starts and ends right there, right? Just to recap these points of this whole episode, pleasure starts As a function of choice. And then we can use pleasure, we can use our choice to orient towards pleasure as a way to ease our way through the lessons of our lives. And that can happen in in many ways, both in the perspective that we are choosing to bring to the moment but also in the ways that we witness the lessons being learned by those around us. And with ourselves rooted in the inherent choice we are making, we are invited to access a deeper intimacy with the self because there is an I making the choice because there is a sovereign autonomous being making the choice to orient towards pleasure and so there is the invitation to be in relationship with the self to cultivate intimacy with the self and if we choose to turn back in i say back back into our lives, in, into our bodies, if we choose to be in relationship with ourselves, we have the opportunity, we have the space to slow down and listen. And when we slow down and listen, we have the opportunity to downregulate our nervous system, to address the pain and trauma of our life, we have the opportunity to heal, to integrate, to understand, to cultivate deeper compassion for ourselves and those around us. And in that downregulation, through that lens of healing, we understand what it is we want for our lives with greater clarity. And if we can meet all of that experience with curiosity, we will see the opening of options before us. And that leads us right back to our choice. Pleasure is a choice we can make even when we're in pain. Pleasure is a choice we can make. And if we choose to orient towards that perspective, in my experience, there is a consistent reminder present of the autonomous sovereign choice that we can make in every corner of our lives. One choice that makes a thousand other choices, that, that is sexy to me. Ooh, that is so sexy to me because it is simple. Pleasure is a choice. What do you choose? Now it's time for creatively exploring. Your opportunity to digest today's content through your own creative expression. Today's writing prompt will hopefully just start to stir the pot for you. I recommend you grab a pen and paper or grab your phone to type this in so you can circle back to it at a time that's convenient. And maybe you even wanna take a moment to schedule five minutes, 10 minutes to write. You don't need to have a lot of time. I mean, shit, do it in the bathroom. You know, I can say, even as a parent, those are moments that we have, even two minutes. Hopefully, some days, not every day. (laughs) Close the door, get a moment of privacy. And even if you're typing, even if you can't get a journal in your hand and a pen, you can even respond on your phone in your notes. So do whatever is accessible. Take a moment to consider this. I think this one is really impactful when it comes to relating to life overall and really fostering uh, our sense of agency remembering our sovereignty sovereignty is period we don't have to do anything to that but it's a common occurrence i think that we forget that we are sovereign we forget that we have choice so i hope this will facilitate some remembering in your life okay the question today is what do i believe? About the relationship between pain, pleasure, and suffering. What do I believe about the relationship between pain, pleasure, and suffering? Music for today's episode was written and recorded by Zaina Carlotta at caro on Instagram and was mixed by Brendan James willing at be willing on Instagram you can find all of the links for today's show on patreon.com viana in the free community feed so even if you're not a patron you can access that thank you so much for being here thank you so much for supporting the show in all the ways that you do I hope you have a beautiful week ciao